here it is another episode of the infinite banter podcast i am mark jolliffe thanks for checking in big up to my man b brian blair who came on last week to talk about wrestling and his time with the killer bees it was really an honor to talk to him and always fun going down memory lane and talking about wrestling or music or anything i grew up on so definitely check out that episode if you haven't heard it yet uh, today's episode, we're going to focus on my man, Mr. Green Weeds. You know him from Family Trees, done songs with All Natural, legend here in the Chicago area as far as the hip-hop scene goes, and now he's doing some acting, so we'll talk about all those things, talk a little bit about sports and just so much there, so I want to get right to it. But before I do that, remember you can find this show on Twitter at Infinite Banter and on Facebook at Infinite Banter. You can bother me on Instagram at DJ Soundwave75. Hear the show on all digital platforms, places like Pandora, TuneIn, Spotify, Mixcloud, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, all the places you usually hear it, it's there and you can check it out. And just feel free to follow me and I always post where you can find the show. So without further ado, let's get right to it. A lot to talk to at Greenweeds. But before the show begins, as always, it never starts until the one and only DMC says this. Yo, yo, what's up? This is me, DMC, the K-I-N-G, the greatest MC in history. And right now, you're listening to Infinite Banter, because we will banter on forever, because this is the only place for all of y'all to ever be. I be Infinite Banter. So before we get into this interview with Mr. Greenweeds, let's go ahead and play a song to get everybody acclimated with him. Here is one he did with Cap D, produced by Doug Infinite. This is Driven on the Infinite Banter Podcast. It's Doug Infinite, Mr. Greenweeds, and on the capital D, it's Fam Tree. There's a simple little fact that you learn from living. Some rubbers giving while the others are dripping. It succeed where the suckers fell flat. I couldn't see nothing. I feel that I was put here to achieve some purpose. First drop science on this hip hop circus. Next, keep it moving for my generation. What's next for you, cat? Yo, I don't know. Stay patient. Come on. Hey, got a plan. I'm just here to lend a hand. Press his agenda and stay in demand. You see, we driven in, delivering a little levity to liberate. And keep it lively, now let me demonstrate Put the foot to the metal, speak the style up a little and motivate You see I drag race, while you racing in drag In a pace car stag, with no airbag I go fourth to fifth gear, steering clear of congestion Collecting points when you win at intersections Fast and the furious, go and get curious You need to get serious, you dust it, period Driving like a lush, no mapping in a rush All gassed up, straight stripping the clutch Ducks left in the lurch, get mad and grab steam. So I'm going shotgun, yo green, get the wheel Let me tell you how I'm living Driven as the rhythm and the flow Driven with the drive of a car With the toll, with the troll At the bridge, with the bridge In the middle with terrain That's rocky like diddle There's a simple little fact That you learn from living Some people giving While others stay driven To succeed Where the suckers fell flat I couldn't see Nothing I feel that Yo, I was put here To achieve some purpose To stay independent Keep my ride self-serving You see it's fuel injection and highly respected. We wreck it on record. Hey, yo, Cat D, check it. MCs say phenomenal, but comical and corny. And we can get beat like my dick when I'm horny. Cats say I'm wicked, which is the way we's a kick it. And when I'm out to diss, I'ma always be Pacific. Got the mics by the wigs every time when I rip it. Who's beefs in the bud? Cause I'm eager for the dip it. I'm strange, and not strange like cool teeth. But strange to maintain, I shred a nigga like weak. The coral reef is brief, my oral speech is shorter. Amongst these facades, chaos and the the image of the pilgrimage throughout the northern wilderness, the 
Ham Tree rocks the shit out of all the villages. Chicago is the logo. They say that he is loco. You jump into conclusions like he's speaking off the logo. But you and I know that won't fly with a Virgo. Switching subjects, you can't house, you can't sublet. But upset because you can't appreciate the simple. You can't participate with the drive of this tempo. It's Dave in Green, the team is the fam. Tree with Doug Infinite, the biggest name's Bam. Damn, you never knew the tree had extensions. A 50-year plan with the pension. Bring him in the kitchen for short takes. You get cream between slices from shortcakes. I'm on star and all star left the battle. He had no blemishes. Chicago's everywhere when G-Dub's on the premises. The nemesis is whackness. It's a pleasure to be placed upon your blacklist because we driven. Checking out the Infinite Banter podcast. I am Mark Jolliffe, and I am pleased to be joined by when you think of Chicago hip hop, you think of Family Tree, all natural. It's all synonymous with Chicago hip hop. And I'm joined by my guest right here, longtime man on the hip hop scene in Chicago. Been known him for a while. Had to get him on here before he won an Emmy and got too big before he would, you know, <laughs> you turn me down. You know what I mean? <laughs> Actor, MC, just a really good dude. My man, Marcel Wilkes, a.k.a. Mr. Greenweeds is in the building. What's up, Greenweeds? Mark, what up, bro? How you feeling? Man, I'm feeling good. It's been a minute since I seen you, probably like the Shrine Days or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that, that right there would be like, man, five years all of a sudden. Man, I miss the Shrine and uh, rest in peace to Abbey Pub and all the old venues, Double Door, man. Damn, Abbey Pub, you you know it's crazy. I was just, this is maybe because I smoke too much. Ah, there like, it is. I was trying to, I was trying to like remember. It's just not there anymore now that I think about it, huh? It's not there. Yeah, and I noticed I don't go to as many shows as I used to go to. Some of it's because I've been domesticated. But I think the other reason, there's there's no other venues, man. There's nowhere to go. There's hardly any places left, man. Urban venues have, um, in the last, it really even started before, when did Abbey Pub close? I want to say it's been at least five or six years. It was a fire, right? Okay, that's what it was. I think so. so. Like, the shrine has been closed since 16. And then you had like straight up just urbanized clubs closing, like Hearts and Sawtooth. Remember those spots? Like, yeah. Body and Bet, you know, like. Oh, Betty's Blue of, Star? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of spots. I don't know what it is, the city, but the city like be in love with urban spots and then they fall out of love with urban spots. And it happens like I don't even know really what the life cycle is, but there was a moment where like remember it was like Cinnabar and Slicks oh and all that God. shit closed, right? Like yeah. pop shop, you know, so now you you know, like so where are all the NBA that? players hanging out? There, there's nowhere to go. <laughs> They're all in town this weekend. Dude, I was just talking to my boy. <laughs> like I was just talking to my boy. I was just like 
Man, I don't even know these spots no more, really. First of all, no one's really into live music like that anymore. Yeah, that's so like, that's that's depressing to think about, man. Yeah, it, I mean, I had a friend of mine tell me one time, and I was like, we, we was hanging out in L.A., and, and we was like going to see, you know, I could tell you the artist, we was going to see Jack Davey, and like, was going to House of Blues, and I could tell he just, I could tell, I, he, I just felt like I was just totally like, torturing this man because he just was not into going to see that show but what he was in a hurry to do was go to a nightclub and just like you know do some bottle service (laughs) and i asked him and it crystallized i mean this had to be like 2010 or something and i asked him i said hey man aren't you like going to watch shows he's like because the girls, he's English, dude. He said, because the gals will be looking all on the stage at the performer. Well, when I'm at the table, the gals will be looking at me. Oh. And I was like, I was like, damn. He had yep. different motives, man. <laughs> I said, I said, yep. I said, that's right. You're the star. That's why people go to the club and then they're cool with their rappers, like just getting on the mic in the DJ booth. And doing a tune like 10 times because now everyone is lit and not necessarily even I mean, they're kind of looking at the rapper in the in the DJ booth. But really, like the dude who's doing bottle service, if he gets it time right with his bottles going to come out when the show finna pop, he the show, he the light show. Right. That And that entail is why the new breed of clubs had kind of like shut down because the shrine was like a hybrid you know it was it was it was a live music venue but it was a nightclub and that was just too much the shrine felt but, like it was right out of new jack city for me i remember the first time i totally went in there i was yeah. like man this place is like it's got the the bar and then the the stage like you couldn't totally really get new right jack up to the city. stage it was crazy it was totally new jack city like i, I didn't really even peep at being new jack city until I watched New Jack City one time. I'm like, damn, that's the shrine. Like a motherfucker. I was like, God damn. I saw a guy up there. I was like, hell no, this is the shrine. Felt like Nino Brown in there. Yeah, yeah. You remember when guy was on the stage and doing this show, doop, 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 like one of them V tunes and shit. Like, right. they don't like, they don't hit the crossover. But New Jack City had a hot soundtrack, but all I remember was like Flavor Flav being up there. And I was like, this is the shrine. Like, Joe yes. straight up like made this joker like the shrine and I mean he made it like New Jack City and I felt that though because you know there was a lot of artists that didn't want to like perform on that stage though it really? was tough Why? for us but they didn't like it they didn't like it they didn't like was there too much separation between the audience yep, and the stage they didn't oh, like okay. that they didn't like that there was a lot of artists that would just be like I would never play the shrine but that it was crazy because like the shrine was one of them places where it was like people really like liked it or they or they didn't you know a couple people i always felt that was the temperature but then once it was gone it was like water and now yeah. people got to see water you know right, what i'm saying right. like you know you had the fresh water going for a minute you didn't even realize like how good the river water was you just was in it <laughs> bathing in it kicking it in it screwing in it like drinking in it, doing all kind of washing your clothes, and then like all of a sudden, <laughs> there's no more water running through a dam. Just cut it off or something, and now you got you got the seawater. 
And you know that's just like food. You can't drink seawater. You can't do nothing with seawater. <laughs> and that's what this, this, that's what it is now. It's like straight up like a lot of clubs. No offense to them. But I don't even go out no more. No, nah, I don't kinda, either, man. I, I got a seven-month-old. So that's my main reason. But there's nowhere to go. Like I don't really – nothing's driving me to get out of the house like it used it, to. It, it's not like – everything's closed in, in Wicker Park now. Man. Everything's closed. Like, remember you run up the run up and down the street. You had like Rodan, and you oh, had geez. like you can do sub T. You can do double door. Like if you went like on a Thursday or Friday, right. or or a Saturday, just depending on who's playing everywhere that night, man, it'd be like ridiculous all around. And you had Red Dog. Ah, oh, threw it back. Ah. Like, yeah, it was it was a different kind of like <clears throat> Chicago, you know. But that was Chicago then. Everything was like unsure and, uh, and being gentrified. Like you didn't know what it was going to turn into. I remember I used to hang out with uh, Rubber Room, Dirty, that whole like Spillane, all of them in Wicker Park. It would just be random people's cribs. And they were all like young 20-something-year-old people. And we would all just be like, you know, like, and this is like the late 90s, mid 90s really like mid 20 something mid 90s you know early 90s and people would just be staying in spots you know diz you know i don't know if you know some of these cats but right. like yeah, they yeah. just had like different spots and then we had like sunday night the elbow room and monday night the elbow room man when you had a holiday coming around too on a monday dude <laughs> oh it was on like you'd be out like those are the days, man. You got me. You just basically just shifted me into like really 30 years in one cap. <laughs> but I think that's crazy, too. I think music has changed so much that I think that nowadays when cats put out records or albums or whatever, it's all on the Internet. So they don't have to perform to get the song out. Or like, you know, like back then, you know, you wanted people to know about your music. They got to see you live first or see you open for somebody first or that's how they find out who you are. And it's just a different era, man. I'm not, I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just definitely different. I was just talking to this uh, friend of mine and she's like early fifties. She's in great shape, very cool, you know, industry kind of type. But she's like, we was talking about like China club and we was talking about shelter. I don't know if you remember like going to those spots. No, I never know. been to those two. I, I heard of them, but yeah, I'm not cool enough to be in there. I don't think life is good. I miss the days of where they were. But then at the same time, it's a new day, it's a new chapter and it's a fun chapter. It's really yeah. fun. I wanted to say this, too, speaking of clubs, the first time I saw Family Tree perform was in, I think it was 97. I was uh -huh. at the, I went to the Park West to see Run DMC, and you guys opened for him. I'm assuming you were on stage with him. I, I think I, I remember was. you were, yeah. I was. I completely remember that gig. Dude, it was like probably my third concert I ever went to, and like I'm just like- Did you like, take a pick at that gig? No. You know, back then, you know how it was. You no, know, you didn't have cameras pick. or you anything. Just, you just- that fact, they didn't even like you bringing cameras up and right. taking flicks like No, that. and you might have a disposable or something, but, you know, uh -huh. I wish, you know, the thing that I, I wish I had was, like, the cell phone back then, so I could take mad pictures and videos, and I saw Run GMC so many times, and I have no pictures. Like, there's, like, zero evidence I ever saw them dudes, but... <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it's always dope for me. Like, that's one of those gigs where, like, I tell people, 
that I open for them and they would like take notice because you know the run dmc i always know is with jam master j right and that's that was the gig you was at you was at yeah i seen them perform twice and one time we opened for them i seen them at joe's and i seen them and it was like within a it was it was crazy because it was within like a year span and then jam j died like you know a year later or something when did he die like 2000 or 2002 so we rocked with him, like you said, in 97, and then I saw him again in 99, 2000 at Joe's. I might have been at that same show because I saw him at Joe's. They were promoting the Crown Royal album. and I was totally at that. Yeah. And DMC's voice wasn't quite back yet, so you could tell like it wasn't the same, but... Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't back yet at that 97 show either. No. And I seen him at Cubby Bear a couple times, too. That's the first time I saw him. But uh, mm-hmm. that Park West show, I mean, I had to give, give you guys props because like you got a fan that day because I remember got there early and I'm like, man, who's this family tree? Like, that's a, that was my introduction to you guys, man. And you guys killed it. I mean, it was just just awesome, man. And to be on the same stage at Run DMC, I can't even imagine what that had been like. It was trippy. It was an all natural show. Really? That's what the gig was. And what all natural always was dope about was bringing us on stage with them so they were like you know they would always be you know kicking fam tree because that's pretty much what they came up with and they had um you know all of us they had myself they had um daily planet and that was pretty much it at that time you know rocking uh, G. Riot wasn't up. That would be like the live group and all natural. Right. And then later on, you had the addition of I.O. and like Rita, you know, but and then Doug and, you know, Bam them. But like, really, it was like that's what we would do. And we was just out there for a few years just grinding. And we would do like those shows. And I'm going to be real with you those that that moment in time and bro i have done a lot of like dope shows opening for people and touring with people but during that time period of like i'd say 1997 till about maybe oh two oh three man we was like we was like crushing we was doing shows with like atmosphere where they would open for us in Chicago and then we would go up to Minneapolis I remember one time we did a gig with atmosphere and it was like 1997 or some shit same year and we went up there and it was one of them cold ass weekends (laughs) in Chicago it was like it was like 54 below here and then 48 below up in Minneapolis. Jeez. And it was like... So warmer. <laughs> yeah, it was a little warm. Bomby as hell. And we went up there and and atmosphere let us close for them. Oh, wow. And it was at this spot in University of Minnesota called The Hole. Bro, it was 400 people in there. We didn't know what the hell we was walking into. And it was like Musa, Brother Ali, uh... Uh, dibs, idea, abilities, just the whole crew. Uh, Slug. This is before like Jaybird and them even joined. We go up there and rock with them, 
I love telling these kind of stories because some people don't give a fuck about shit like this. No, please. This show's called Infinite Banter, so go on forever, man. Go ahead. For you, it's like an archaeologist. You're like, oh, my God. And and it was like, and we went up there, man, and it was so hot in that club. And I remember going to the projects, me and Musab hanging, because we was all like, it was crazy because we would all do weird shit like get high together and or go roll out into each other's hoods and we probably within that span of two three years i remember slugging and whenever they would do shows here they would have me just come host for them they'd be like oh man let's let green get greenweeds to host they you know just call me to come host like you know give me a couple hundo i i would do it for the love you know right. and they just they just you know had me rocket double door a rocket metro and they did that shit for like three or four years i remember we did a gig at house blues and like they came and, and we closed and we was kind of like besides like common or someone like that or twister we was the groups that the clubs would just let us like close out a spot but yeah that run dmc gig was like really uh it was crazy. We didn't even like get a chance to kick it with Run and and them, but they really like the way the show felt. They really were like uh, for just into us, and that's what would happen a lot. I remember one time we opened for Most Death, like for we did four shows with them. This was right when uh, what's that one record? I think uh, Black on Both Sides. Oh, right? Miss Fat Booty. Yeah, they, he was touring with Bernie Worrell. He had a real freaky ass band with him, man. I mean, it was a crazy dope band. It was like Bernie Worrell of Bad Brains and oh, wow. Parliament members. Yeah, it was like I forget who all was in. The only person I can remember was Bernie Worrell. I think like Vernon Reed was on guitar or some shit. Oh, from like, Moving Color, right? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. It was like a crazy gig. He had a crazy band with him, and like we would be, uh, we would open up for him. We did like four shows. It was like an arbitrary like. Sunday and Monday night or some shit and he came and I remember the Tribune just writing how cold he was and I didn't even talk to most that night but he was really in the eye of Mars, like big time because I would flip the drum kit over and he would use the snare he would use this the metal side and he would like scratch on that like a scratch pad and most would always ask him damn man how you how you do that niggas didn't even know most deaf wasn't playing drums then Right. You know, like, I mean, he was playing drums then, but didn't nobody know he could play drums. Exactly. You know, right. So he was just like really into that. And we was all like, man, why most in the, you playing drums? And then later on, we realized he played, you know, like, but that would be like kind of just that period. And we would be really grinding. We would hit the Midwest and then we would, we did Carabana up in Toronto. This before it got popular, you know. We would do that back in 99. We would kick it with like um, just all kinds of cats like, you know, we, uh, uh, Wild Child and them and, 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 and uh, you know, just that whole like, uh, you know, that whole like Loop Pack crew. You right. know, we would be hanging out with them a lot. And then we'd be Jay Live and them a lot and Seven Heads and, and Artifacts and Elder You know, we would just be like, hanging out you know one time no one really knows this but we were like honorary uh native tongue members get out of here i didn't know that yeah so we were doing it was weird it wasn't weird it was dope when i say weird i mean i, mean, <laughs> I know like, what you mean right i mean great 
but we was doing like a a fam tree jungle brothers out oh and so we recorded like Man, it seems like, like a natural tense. connection, though, if you think about it. I mean, it doesn't it shouldn't be weird, right? I mean, you guys it, are native was, tongues. I mean, so the way it went was like, well, the Jungle Brothers initiated, so they was tell. So we met them in New York. We was in Manhattan. This was like '03, and we were just up there, and I forget what we. I think we like did an in store or something, and then like this this booking management company to a party. And they invited us to it. It felt like the party was for us. It was like fat. We did like a fat beats in store and it was fam tree. And then like, so I had my Range Rover. Then I used to drive a Range Rover. I drive it everywhere. And so we're in the truck and I see AF and Range Rover was sweet, bro. It was like a green for It was like a green forest green. Like you missed that car, man. I kind of do. <laughs> and of course it like, was green. Of course. It was, it was not, it was limited edition. Like it had the suspension. It was sweet, man. I, I just got sweated a lot in it. Cause I was in my early thirties. So like, <laughs> you know, the cops was just, you know, it was real, real. Like I'd be in a regular car. Nobody messed with me. I used to be in that truck, man. I get pulled over just left and right. And anyway, like we was in New York and we met after baby bam. We kicked it, and I gave the Treehouse Rock record. And the wildest thing he ever said to me, he was like, man, we was, like, kicking it for, like, an hour. Keith Murray walking up the street, DJ Clue. Like, you know, it was cool. And DJ asshole in court, and Clue's just listening. And I'm like, and I say to him, I say, hey, we leaving? And he said, man, I got to tell you, man. I hope y'all music sound as good as y'all is cool because I hate to not want to work with y'all, especially <laughs> as cool as you is. That's what he left me with. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, all right, you know, and I ain't, I ain't giving no, no, nah, nigga, you're going to love that shit. Right, right. I said, all right, cool. And then the next day, I can't remember if I called him or if he called me, but he said, if I don't call you tomorrow, you can call me. And he said that like several times and I really did not want to call him. And then I think I called him like right when we was like getting out of Indiana into Chicago and I hit him and he just like, he, he just was losing it over our record. Man, that's like, awesome. Completely losing it. And then he was like, man, I got to tell Mace about y'all. I got to tell Drez. I got to tell Mr. Long. And just all these cats that he would randomly say, I got to tell Tip. You know, and he was just like saying any any native tongue number, he just was naming. But it never came to fruition. And like, uh, but we did record that music, but we never really released it. All we did was like, I had uh, Aff on the tune on a record with me and Doug. And then All Natural, I think, had the Jungle Brothers on, like, two tunes on uh, the Vintage record. But we recorded, like, man, like, for that record, man, it was some joints, man. It was, like, ten tunes that was recorded. Where we, do you like, think these songs are now? It's somewhere. Like, <laughs> uh, I probably got it on a CD, and I'm sure Tone has it. I'm sure Dave has a copy. Like, I'm sure Cats, I know Fifth Element probably would have a copy of it, because he did some beats on it. And like Dave did some beats 
it was cool, man. It was really, it was like really a dope album. We was gonna have Chuck D on it, like man. Chuck. We was we was remaking Polygon Cracker. Oh and really? Then, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, then, and then we then we like broke up, and Chuck was me and Chuck was in communication hard, like you know, because I've known him since I was like sixteen, and he really liked the idea. So he was like, "Oh man, you got app on it." I all linking, talking, 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 just vibing, vibing. And then it just, you know, how stuff fall through, it just fall through, it don't happen. Was it a different version of Polly Wanna Crack? I'm trying to remember the completely songs like Polly. Right, yeah, yeah, but it was completely different. It was jazzy. Oh, okay. It was like, it was, but it was a little more party oriented. Like, you okay. know, that tune was kind of like funky, you know, like it had a different groove to it because it was a real chill tune. It kind of had that true mathematics vibe to it, you know, and like... I did it the same way as Chuck did it, but imagine it just being over like, who wants to be like the Joneses? Like, like it could be a one, <laughs> you know, one of them 90s, like, yeah. tunes, we could step to it. It kind of <laughs> had that vibe to it. You know, it was cool, though. It was really cool. I wish I could just find the stuff and just send it to Man, you. I'm just saying, like, you know, most of us fans would be just fiending for all these songs you just talked about that are in a vault, like Prince somewhere, you know what I mean? <laughs> I know, I know, man. It's a shame, because I'm, like, off. I wish, though, like, I could just go somewhere and grab that stuff and be like, oh, here. I wish, like, I was a little better about, like, just keeping up with, like, tunes, you know, that I recorded with artists. I mean, I got stuff, like, mp3s like stuff i did with kamani marley and you know like a lot of people don't even know i did stuff with like john popper from blues travel oh wow yeah now that you can find that stuff you'd have to look for it but you can find it like me and him got like three tunes together and like that's a name i, I haven't heard in a long time yeah bro i did a john popper project and it was him warren hayes a government mule and um DJ Logic. I've done shit with like Wayne Kramer from MC5. So very eclectic yeah. all over the place. This isn't just like straight yeah. boom bap stuff you're talking about. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I definitely like had like uh, hip hop tunes though, and, you know, and just like, um, but I would always be like more, I was pursuing more like uh, to kind of do those tunes because at that moment you'd be like, man, if you write a good tune and some people hear it on Q101. You know, and then I still keep the edge, let them come to my shit, then we'll be good. You know, I won't do it like I won't I won't be like, you know, doing up a the dunk a dunk type tune. I'd be like <laughs> you know, like I'll still I still be see doing that one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'll still be like kicking it raw and had them come and get some funk, give them a whole another personality. But then it was the same way. Like if they put me on one of their tunes and I you know, I just vibe it wherever it went. You know, you just give it a little bit of your shit and then like, but keep the integrity. And you like performing with a band too, right? That's always been something you uh, preferred, isn't it? If I can get a killer DJ, that's what I really want. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, th- to be real, like, see, the band, I love a band, first of all. So that's not to not love bands. Uh, I love bands because bands, you know, obviously you can like go places and you learn how to like, freestyle know how to improvise but you can also do that with a dj that too. is true like, you got very a true cold dj like the thing djing has been a lost art for a while since yeah. the 2000s but like you would every now and then get a chance one thing i used to love about fam tree tone would literally be like you know he had a moment where he'd be be juggling in the show 
and then he would blend and then he would like every now and then if he was in a great mood he would like blend two instrumentals together and like you could like rhyme over that instrumental and he he definitely was like a band back there you know what i'm saying and then we would have just eye on a drum and it would just be just simply percussive but our show would be killer because the dj would be really involved and he was kind of like like i don't want to say he was a last breed but for real he was a superman right and if you remember Superman back then, that was like Clark Kent himself, DJ Scratch, Richie Rich from Third Base. He's yeah. a badass these DJ. Are, these are some yeah, technicians here, big time. Yeah, yeah. These some badass DJs that was like holding down groups. And if you got that kind of dude on your team, man, that used to like, that was impressive to people to see a show and you had a DJ like you, that was like separating you from like just being a dude who was up there rapping you know what i'm saying like if you could hire you a dj and if he just kind of cared a little bit man (laughs) they cared a little little bit bit. just cared a little (laughs) bit just be halfway decent people would be like amazed that you got someone up there on some turntables just like holding your show down and y'all like partying now all of a sudden you're partying and that's that was that's really i'm going a long way around it but like Remember, like, Doug would always, you know, a lot of DJs, DJs important, too, because, like, that's where you learn what was hot, always. I mean, it's, you know, that's a lost art, too. The DJ now is playing what people want to hear, you know? Yeah, jukebox. And, yeah, it's a, it's really a jukebox, yes. But, like, and back in the day, you were kind of a jukebox DJ. Like, you had to play... I remember back in 2000, you had to play like, you know, Jay-Z and Faith Evans and and Mace and all them people. But like you still had the you still had the luxury of turning people on because like, you know, you still had like the R&B woman that would come up to. That's what we would call it back then. Like <laughs> the, the, the woman who didn't want to just hear all hip hop, you know, she wanted the vibe. But you still had Neo Soul happening then. And you just had like a lot of records of cross pollination happening. And people would just like kind of be open to get turned on to a new tune. And that's what you heard it in the club still. So to your point, it it was something we tapped on earlier. Like when you used to be able to see, like I remember China Club and Shelter. I remember, I don't know if you was like going to them spots then. I don't know how old you are straight up and down, but like 44. You know, yeah okay so i'm around that age yeah 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 you right there so like china club would like have black sheep come rock and this is like right right when uh wolf and sheep's clothing was like selling damn near a million records they had like mc search do a solo joint and shelter be right across not right across the street but you had to go through train tracks and shit to get to it but it wasn't really far away and they might have pete nice doing a record release party, Funk Dubious, or like all these like groups that had, remember with those, um, those EPs that would come out back in the day, they have like revisited albums, it'd be an album. Or oh, the Cactus Revisited, out. yeah. yeah Digital yeah, Underground yeah. had one, yeah, right. Yeah, maxi singles basically. Right. And like all these groups would come, Brand Nubian came and did a, 
you know, a cool, like, 40-minute show. The uh, punks jump up to get beat down. Right oh, without uh, Grand Pooba on it, yeah. Yeah, like, they had, like, shit like that happening, man. George Michael be hanging out at China Club. I'm talking George Michael. Michael <laughs> like, cats would be, like, hanging out. Like uh, It was the place to be, that, it especially was that time. Like, yeah, That vibe, like, I remember I had a chance to see Tupac. And I didn't go see him. Really? Uh, but I had a chance to see him at China Club. And this was like right when Tupacalypse Now was finna come out. I think that's my timeline on that. Yeah. Like, I mean, like 91 was, or something, right? Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. And he was like, you know, yeah, he was, he, he had a show and, and common. And bro, it was like, that was kind of what the vibe was then. And it was, I remember seeing uh, this a few years later. But no, nah, about the same time, Redman, he came up to Otis's. I don't know if you remember that club, but he he would rock. Just coming, you know, Cass just be coming to just like, all right, let me just give you a sneak peek of this record and let me just throw down for you and just do a do, you know, do a couple joints. You know, yeah, that's that's the, that's how it was back then. And artists knew, you know, you can make or break a record coming to a place like this because of those clubs, the, the ears that were in there, important for them to hear mm-hmm. this song this music mm-hmm. and I, that's a lost it's lost man you just don't have that as much anymore it's a different vibe man you buy a record and you be like it just would take you into this world that you was willing to absorb and don't be down like getting intoxicated while you listening to it like <laughs> you know like you're gonna get you're gonna smoke or drink and or both and then like man i, I just remember like a ton of days from, from 16 till about even earlier like just just take a record and just look at it observe the album the artwork and then like look at who did what on the back and that's how you would get hip to who was coming out yeah, hot next exactly you know you want to know who who all they was rolling with who they shouting out who they like even if they shouted out someone you was like this man must finna be dope but this woman must be finna be dope that's what I love about the Public Enemy albums. They shouted out anybody that ever made a record. Um, you know, they get like I had the cassettes. You'd fold out the white piece of paper that had like everything yeah. that like the, the the Posse Nine or the you know the Hardcore Eights, and they like list all these groups. Like, man, I need to get up on UMCs. Or I need to get up on you know Skinny Boys or whoever they listed. It was always like, man, yeah, yeah. That was always important to see that in inside the album covers and the cassettes and stuff. I know what album you're talking about. That's Fear of a Black Planet. Yes, sir. Fear Goes like, back to Polywana Cracker. <laughs> yeah. See, see how it all come full circle? Like they that that record, they would let you know who was given the what. Like they'd be like, This tune, Sly Stone inspired us. And you know, they would tell you like who to go check out. They wouldn't say go sample this cat, but they would be like you should check out this group, PE. You should check out the Clash. You should check out, like, yeah, uh, uh, Parliament Funkadelic. Like, they would just tell you about all those groups and give you affirmation. And then, like you said, they would shout out these like hip hop groups. When I met Chuck, he cracked on me and said, "Man, this kid. He was. We was all in the room. It was me and a couple S1Ws. This girl I used to we used to date. And um, I don't know if you know um, Daddy." Kirk back then, but he was a dope dude. Okay. Like, we all in the hotel room and Chuck's like, this kid look like Super Love C. <laughs> I don't know. You remember Super Love C? Yeah, yeah. Without a doubt, and I remember he, him. Yeah, and I had the box, everything. And girls, I got a lot of bump and I was like, damn. I said, this motherfucker cracked on me. 
You got to post those pictures, like, man. Bro, I, 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 got, I posted some throwbacks before, Did you? but I never said the Super Lover C, but I should Oh. <laughs> yeah, but like Chuck show cracked on me. He was like, man, this kid look like Super Lover C. <laughs> and it was so crazy because I'm 16 and he's like at that age, 27, which just looked like a million years from yeah. me at that point. You know, like I might have been a little older. I might have been like 18 and he's 27, you know, like. But either way, in rap years, that's like thirty. <laughs> I mean, thirty years oh, late more. Like, yeah, yeah, like he might as well have been my age now. Right. Yeah, man. So Chuck has one of these like I don't know if people. It's hard to explain what kind of person he is. Like he has that ability to remember any moment and any time and the date and spe- specificity of where he was at every moment. Really? He's one of them people. He'll remember that he met me at Redfish for like five minutes. (laughs) Did did he meet you at Redfish for real? Yeah, I went to go see them at the House of Blues. uh, He probably will remember it, bro. I I feel so bad. I kind of bothered him when he was eating, but it was like I just wanted to be around Chuck and got him to sign something. And it was like. He he totally probably will remember it. Man. He totally probably. He totally remembered where he met me at. And he remembered meeting me at the mosque. And then he remembered my name. He remembered like my old school name. He remembered like me being Greenweeds. He shouted me out at Columbia. My boy, I was telling my boy, yeah, I know Chuck, man. I was kind of low key about it. And I was (laughs) like, and I was like sitting, you know, like I was older. I was probably like, you know, late 30s or something. This probably was like 10 years ago or something like that. Maybe longer, but like, I was in my thirties and like my boy, when he shouted me out, he was talking about all the independent hip hop in the Midwest. And he mentioned atmosphere and he said, hey, you should check out Greenweeds, you know, like and fam tree. And, and my boy looked at me like, that's crazy. There it is. And I, and I said, yeah, man. And then he, we was joking <laughs> and kicking it. Like every time we see each other, it's like, we, we, we just saw each other yesterday, you know? And like, and that was that, you know, so every time I talk to him, it'd be like, so that's kind of like, I have that kind of relationship with a lot of artists. That's pretty like, cool, man. That just shows that they're genuine people too, you know? Yeah. I don't really hit them up. Hey man, can we do a record? I have, but like, right. there's some artists that I just, I really like enjoy just that grown camaraderie of just being able to just like reason, you know what I mean? And just talk some real shit and then every now and then i might tell them how i fanned out and you know after i'm comfortable with them or they comfortable with me rather and then like you know and it just it'd be cool you know what i mean like it'd be cool speaking of artists i know you are probably the biggest prince fan that i know yes as far as i know have you did you ever meet prince never never okay uh, i seen him perform once but i didn't know if you ever got a chance to get a chance to meet Prince, eat some pancakes or whatever. I will tell you, I, I got a good story though. Oh, it's not, go ahead. It's not a direct Prince story, but like one time I was in Los Angeles and I was getting some, some, I was just in this Whole Foods on Fairfax and I was just getting some like uh, food. I was just randomly shopping. I'm very much like that. And uh, I was getting like smart water and I had two. And I heard this laugh like, ah, 
and I was like, <laughs> damn, that sounds like someone famous who can sing. Like, you, I don't know if you noticed that, but like famous pe- artists who can sing, especially the black ones, at least I know, the, the, them motherfuckers laugh like how they sing. So like, <laughs> it was it was Shaka Khan. Oh, there and you go. So I stop what I'm doing, like Humpty Dance, stop what you're doing that I'm about to ruin. And I like go right in that line. And I'm standing right next to her. I think she had a it was a I'm not I think it was a dude with and I think it was a brother, but I could be wrong. But I think it was. Uh someone in front of us. I can't remember if it was a man or a woman, but I do remember them like fanning out with her. And she was just like very cool by the way. And she had all of these candles, hundreds of candles, just sniffing them, going to buy them. She was buying them, but she just was sniffing all of them. Like, all oh, these candles. And she was in such a festive mood. And then I stopped her and I said, hey, um, I already had a story. I said, you, uh, my boy used to, I said, first of all, me and my wife saw you with Prince and Larry Graham, Dougie Fresh, and Sinbad at the Aragon Ballroom back in in 1997. That was a good year for me. I said back in 1997. (laughs) Yeah, it was 97. And and she was like, oh my God, she said, you at the show. I said, yeah. I said, me and my wife love you. She said, well, let me hug you for you and your wife. And she hugs me and I almost melted right in her damn chest. (laughs) And like, I kept my wits, and then I had an even better story, which if there could be one. But I was like, my boy used to be your drummer, Franklin Roosevelt. And she was like, yes, Franklin is huge. And I said, yeah, he's drumming with Lenny now, Kravitz. And I said, yeah, she, she's like, he is drumming with Lenny. And we sat there, and we was in that line, man, what felt like an eternity. We was talking for like, I don't know, man. During her purchase and my purchase. It's and awesome, we just man. kept like talking and talking. And then she said, well, what, what you what you got going? And I'm like, I gotta run this video shoot. And just like immediately as I was leaving, I was like, was Shaka Khan like interested in like perhaps just talking to me a little longer? <laughs> and I was like, I'm an idiot. Like, <laughs> like I'm a real live idiot. She I did feel for you, you know, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Like she, I guess, like, but it was like, it was sweet though. But it was, you know, it was like Shaka Khan. I told a friend of mine that they was like, man, you, you got like self sabotage for some reason. I don't know why. Like, <laughs> just like. And by like the, the way, most... that's the best Shaka Khan impression ever. You know what I mean? I thought she was right here. Right. <laughs> self sabotage, huh? Self sabotage, bro. Ah, that's awesome, yeah. though, man. I mean, just the, you, like you said, you just kind of hear the laugh, and next thing you know, legend is standing there looking at candles. Bro, Jeffrey <laughs> Osborne had that same fucking laugh. Oh. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Osborne. Osborne. Yeah, I interviewed him. You can find out on YouTube. I interviewed him. I said something to him, and he laughed. He was like, <laughs> and I was like, this motherfucker sound like you're about to woo 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 with me. Oh, get out of here. He was like, <laughs> Baby, stay with me tonight. That was like, dude, that's a classic, by the way. That song that right there, man. That's, that that song is actually, you know, he's got a million dope songs. That's my favorite song. Very underrated. That dude is it's, so it's underrated. Like, 
and she's so underrated, man. Oh, like, on the wings of love. Yeah. Man, he got some cuts. He got some cuts. Dude, I was playing that in the gym one time because I heard it on V103, and I was I was like sitting in the car. I'm like, man, I, I got to get in this gym. And I was like, you know what? F this. I'm just going to go on YouTube and look up the video and play it while I'm on this uh, you know, this treadmill or whatever. And just listen to oh Wings of Love, God. which is not a workout joint at all. But Dude, I, a workout <laughs> joint is whatever you – I never hear that rock music in the background when oh I'm like working out. Yeah. Like, I, I be doing it, and it's like, it's like the record, you know, how they say a retard in music. And that means like not like a dis on disabled, but like, like slow down. That. Yeah, yeah. And so every time I'm on the, you know, I got that music going. It just the record just does that very fast to me. You know what I'm saying? So it'll just slow down. Yeah. And I guess when you really hear it, when you say that word like retard, that don't sound right even in a record. <laughs> like that just sound crazy as hell. <laughs> but that's what they tell you. Like you know, you be like, okay, we're gonna. We're going, you know, you doing a show and musicians just say that. No doubt. So, yeah, man. Talk about the uh, transition now. You're going from doing music and now you're on the Showtime series Work in Progress. And I watched a trailer for that before calling you. It looks like a really funny show. I saw Julia Sweeney's on there. Yes. And uh, what's the name of your character and uh, how do you like it so far? I love it. It was cool. I played a minister on it. Weird Al Yankovic is in that, too. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he's uh Is it set in Chicago by the way? I couldn't tell from the trailer. It's all Chicago. It is, okay. It's all Chicago. So the story is real crazy. My um my girl Abby McEnany decides to do a show about a period in her life. She's an improv artist. I met her at like Second City when I was working up there. That's not how I got the role, but like she I guess was in the lab and writing a show. And Han Tim Mason comes up with um, the show. And then Julia Sweeney, like, executive produces it. And then Lily Wachowski gets behind it, too. Makes you know she has a show on Showtime. I get a call for, like, a callback. And it was weird because when you get a callback, that means, like, you've already auditioned. And I did not audition. The you know to get this call back, so I was like, "What's going on with my memory?" You know, I was had <laughs> to bust a game of Sudoku or something. Don't self sabotage <laughs> yourself either, by the way. Like, yeah, yeah, why yeah. Someone calling I, me, I, I didn't no, audition. I played it. Listen, <laughs> you should have saw me. I played like a champ. I was like, "Yes, cool, okay." And they said, "No pressure." The producer and the director. Uh, and the writers will be there. And I said, no problem. And I go in and I audition. And the cool thing was Abby was at the audition. And she really was just like, you know, the cool thing about like some people sometimes you ever go for a job interview and someone, you know, is interviewing you and they act like they don't know you. It's real weird. Oh, never had that happen. But I can't even imagine how awkward that would be. She didn't do that. I loved it. Okay. So she, like, was extremely excited to see me. But I've seen people do that to me. Like, when I'm auditioning for a band or, or something like that, they basically, like, will, uh, t- you know, audition for the band and they act like, you no, know, everyone acts like they don't know me. And it's, it's sometimes that's weird, you know, just trying to get a gig. But that was really, like, cool. And then... um. 
So I, I get to play a minister. It, it aired on Showtime like back in January. And funny thing is, is like it keeps airing and, and people tell me they see it. And 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 that was and that's cool. I only been acting like three years. So to get a, a television role. Yeah, and big up. Get, yeah. And to get a role like that is um, it's really cool, man. Like, you know, I, I, I kind of like went through this uh thing where i was like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna take this craft seriously and for the first time too i gotta say this like you know generally for the first time i went in as green weeds and then let everything go around it and what i mean by that is like sometime when i go into other genres or other like talent pools or you know skill sets I tend to like reinvent myself damn near completely. And this time I was like, man, I'm not going to do that to myself. I'm not going to like take away all the hard work I put into being me and the, the developing and, and like evolving and, you know, and just like really kind of coming from a circle to a sphere of myself and say, man, just go ahead and just roll with who you are. And then let it go from there. And that's kind of when I started acting. That it, it, The one thing I realized, and I had another actor tell me this, they was like, man, you already have a persona. That old cowboy shit that you rocking is <laughs> like, you know, that, that's your, like, vintage. That's your shit. You're Americana. They was like. Own that. Don't, wear it, right? Yeah, they yeah. said locks, your locks, everything, like, just. Just hold it down because it's going to seem like nothing's happening. But then when someone's into you, they're going to really be into you. And I was like, cool. That's what's been working. I mean, you know, I started like, you say you being an actor, you, you really realize real fast you can't take like rejection personal. You know, when I was a musician, I'm still a musician. But when I'm when I'm going for the gig, you know, sometime in hip hop, you take shit personal. You forget about the business part of it. And that's probably why some artists have gotten further than what I've gotten, frankly. Yeah, very you know, true. Because, you know, you you kind of like, who are they to like tell me no? And as an actor, you you do feel that way, too. But it's it's like not as lingering as it is when you are a musician, because I think when you're a musician, you kind of at least when you're a rapper, you kind of like are like putting your whole especially as a rapper and an orator, you generally are rapping your own lyrics. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, you're doing somebody else's written script. Now that's a different thing, right? Yeah. You're interpreting a character and you're bringing yourself to it. However, once you bring your shell to it, it's like you're an empty glass and then you just nice to try and pour something up in you. But you are the glass, however, and you are bringing your interpretation to it. Now, when you're auditioning, you could you, know, you could actually like nail the role, but you just might not be what they're looking for, you know, and that could be that. And you just got to keep it moving. You know, you don't get attached. You don't be like, my God, I hope I get this part. I mean, you do be like that. But at the same time, you don't. You know, it's almost like you just, you know, you just roll and you just you just want to make sure that you nailed it you know that's all you really got you know i'm learning that 
more and more. Still had to audition for stuff. And, you know, I got this other, like, project that's coming out. It's a pilot that I shot. And uh, it's with some real dope actors. And uh, I got I got fortunate, you know, like, it, it's really some real dope actors. Like, it's a couple Oscar winners in the Joker. And See? Cats who's selling millions at the box office. That doesn't translate to my pockets. Well, right, what it right. does do is, like, it 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 is dope to just be working acting kind of like you know what i really love about acting like i used to act first of all people don't know this but i used to act when i was in like seventh and eighth grade it's pretty good at it too and like like in school plays and stuff you mean or yeah for real school plays though like i right. we would do the school play but then we put it on at goodman theater too oh okay and we would be on these random cable channels you know and we had a pretty cool like drama uh thing i was at this west side school called john hay but it was like you know you could you could mess around and go to whitney young for acting or lane or something like they would they, these high schools would, like check you out from my school like acting like we like got a legitimate grade for it you know like so it was cool and then like most idiots i fall in love with hip-hop and then like i love it (laughs) for all its great and glory and bad of it right and its exploitation and it's like inspiration it it is like everything to it and you still love it and you need it and you gotta have it but then like what acting did is like it doesn't allow me to really like it's cool for me not to have to personalize anything like it's really cool to kind of like yeah like some of the roles i got they have been like me and then i like play these amplified levels of me or these other parts of me but then i've had roles too man where i'm like not i'm something totally different you know what i'm saying and like and that's the challenge right there right yeah, you know, and then you get to like pick and choose who's inspiring you and who, who you know, like one thing I do low key is like, and I'm not even playing a character like this character, but sometimes I'd be like, whoa, maybe if I could like put a little Antoine Chagar up in there and then put like the Joker up in there, the Heath Ledger version or the Cesar Romero one, and then like do uh. <laughs> Do like Vincent Price. I don't know. Like I'm just. Are you taking like, it back there? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'd be. I had these amalgamations of like different cats that I'm drawn off of, and it's okay because you gotta like anyway give it like five to ten interpretations. You generally five, you know, like that you kind of fill in this person to be, and or maybe you he 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 reminds you of someone that you know, and then you could just pretend that you some asshole from the west side that you hated but all of a sudden this person's going to get you paid because you're playing a guy like that <laughs> and that guy sees it it's like man are you trying to act like me on there yes i was so what yeah exactly yes <laughs> and then you'll be like that's the payment for all the right the, the peon fee you used to take from got me. my milk money back you know we got this that's on, exactly <laughs> got my payday exactly you brought up exactly. the Joker. I gotta ask you, man. Did you? What did you think of Joaquin Phoenix getting that Oscar? I did not. I did not see it yet. You haven't seen it. No. Um. Have you seen it? Yeah, I loved it, man. It's people right up my alley. People say I've I've heard like um. First of all, I haven't really heard mixed reviews. The only mixed part that I've heard is like some people say it's too dark, and uh, 
I don't know, Bedard. Yeah, nah. Bad. See, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a crazy dude who wears clown makeup. I mean, kind of dark already. Except, right, except for the right. colors part of it, but <laughs> right, I right. mean. <laughs> right real shit yeah like, I, I, it's pretty good i like it you know i'm a i'm a snob when it comes to comic book stuff so when i was watching i'm like better, it's like scorsese better, made this movie it's like a scorsese joker you is know? he better is he better than ledger uh it's it's so hard to to say because it's different it's it's, it's good i mean the funny thing is like if you want to win an oscar in a comic book movie apparently you have to play the joker you know wow. because heath ledger of course won it and then and then uh, Joaquin, but I, I don't know if it's better. It, it's definitely different. This one's more maniacal and more uh, self-hating, I guess. I mean, there's, there's, he's got a lot of mental issues and stuff, and I don't want to spoil uh-huh. too much for people who haven't seen it. But uh, the Heath Ledger I, I, one was more crazy, I guess, in a sense. But uh, uh, this one takes a long, it's a long journey to get to that point in this movie. Right. I, I mean, I have nothing to go on because I didn't see it. The one thing I really like about Heath Ledger is like he had these like he was crazy, but he did have these moments of tapping into the self-deprecation part of it or just like how he was just like repulsive, and repugnant to his father. You know what I'm saying? Or to right. how, whenever he would describe how he got scars, it was always like it's a different someone, story a couple times too. From what I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone just viciously like played him out, you know. And so he was like crazy, and then he, you know, the Joker is like. So how many Jokers have there been? It's, it's probably been like seven. Yeah, Jack Nicholson or who, who we forget. No, Jared Leto Mark played Hamm- him, but nobody Mark- cares about that one. Mark Hamill. Well, he's the best him. as far as the the voice. Yeah, he was great. He was great. You know, it's so crazy. Like now we're gonna go down this like you know this other part, but like remember remember Batman versus Superman? Did you like that? No, I didn't either. <laughs> okay, and Justice League so, is worse. <laughs> as, well, no, that's no. that's hot garbage, man. <laughs> it, you know what? Like it, it's not good. Here's the problem with DC. especially compared to Marvel. I mean, it's like it doesn't even hold a candle no, to the, it. That's it. That's it. The the Marvel movies. See, you know what the Marvel movies do a good job of not taking themselves seriously. Like they really are what hero movies are supposed to be. They take you through fantasy. They. If they pull on your heartstrings, it's not to belabor or beat down a point. Right. And they're not super, like, dark, right? Like, even when the heroes die, and their heroes do die, but it's just something that make it, it pulls you into care. I think DC just sometimes becomes extremely heavy-handed. Not the Batman trilogy. No, those like, are good. Yeah, Those are, like, excellent. But, like, kind of... Um, not kind of, but, like... I didn't even like Wonder Woman like that. I mean, Wonder I, Woman is good compared to those other ones. I thought Shazam was really fun to watch. That wasn't that was actually I've never seen it that. was so different. You should check it out. It's definitely like I'm watching. I'm like, okay, they finally are like letting themselves down a little bit, not trying to be so serious, like you're saying. And I just feel like the DC movies they rushed them. They saw what Marvel was doing. Like, oh, we got to get our team together too. And you guys haven't set anything up yet. At least, at least with Marvel, they. They gave you Doctor Strange. They gave you Captain Marvel. They gave you all these like sub characters, Black Panther. You know, name all of them. And then when they finally came together, it was like 
you invested all that time and energy where DC it was just like, eh, let's throw some stuff together and hopefully it sticks. So totally different, yeah. totally different mindset how they put them together. Holes and plots with DC. I mean, I still want to see Birds of Prey. You know, like I want. Yeah, because like, Margot Robbie's so nice to look at. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> And I like the work that she does. You know what I mean? Like, I like her as an actor. Like, I saw her once upon a time. She's Hollywood, great in that. Like, I loved it. Just seeing her walk. I, like, when I was watching movies, like, I just like watching her walk in this movie. That's all she's doing, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, um, she's very uh, flavorful. You know, I liked her in I, Tanya, too. You ever seen I, Tanya? Yes, she's really good in that. She's great. I mean, she's playing a despicable person, and she's good. And although she's got her flaws, and you feel bad for her too, but yeah, you know, you know who she kind of—I don't want to sound like this with white women, but like <laughs> she reminds me of uh, Jamie. Uh, am I saying? Let me say this right: Jamie Presley, a Priestley, like. Oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. From uh, I know her from Poison Ivy three, but other people know her from other things. What's that? Uh, She's uh, old school. Like, yeah, she, she was Isn't like a Jerry Springer old. movie. What was that show yeah. that was on with Jason Lee for Mom, years? She was in. She was in. She's in Mom with a uh, yeah. Ferris. Like she was supposed to be really. My like, name is Earl. Dead. That's what that show was called. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My name is Earl. She was supposed to be really. Now don't get me wrong. She made a dope living, but I felt like she was on the precipice of really just being like where Margot Robbie is right now. You know what I'm saying? Because Marvel oh, Robbie, see. like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I feel that they got kind of a similar vibe to me. You know, like, right. at least visually. Now, Marvel Robbie, obviously, I think what she does is like, she's willing to. Here's here's what I learned, like, what I'm learning, and I'm still learning. But like, you can't. You have to be careful if you're like pretty boy or pretty girl to like and i'm not saying i'm pretty but just you got to be willing to like kind of just play everything kind of move yourself around and range yourself like you can you can play like a, a, a an attractive person but at the same time like you gotta like be willing to just say all right i'm play our time and whatever comes with that you know what i mean yeah charlie yeah. Starin does that she was in monster and then she'll play yes. like, you know like Mad Max, and then she's in a lot of movies that you know, not necessarily tall blonde woman roles. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And then she'll like, and then she'll be doing a, a Chanel commercial. Or something, you know, <laughs> right, like, right. So she can, she can, and it's a simple thing to do because you could like just glam yourself up in a whole another like realm with your brand. You know, like, and you know, it is what it is. Like I. I get in where I fit in, you know, like definitely being green weeds has like got me. I felt for the first time it's getting me where I need to be. And for also the first time, like I never really said this in an interview before, but like I definitely have said this to people. Exclusive. But exclusively. <laughs> but like, hey, yeah, here we go. I've I've always like have been so down with like the posse vibe. And what I mean by that is like, you know, just being on like being in a group. And I still do. I love being in groups. I really do. Like I get a lot out of like the crazy thing is like I'm kind of a loner these days, but I really do get a kick out of collaboration. You know, like I love it. But when you're an actor, you 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 have to stand on that shit all by yourself. Like you have to like, even though you're in an ensemble you. and you vibing with someone, like at the end of the day, the person who's got you to roll is you. 
right the person you know what i mean like it's kind of like baseball it's a team sport but you're the one that has to get the hit you're the one that has to do what totally you know it works you know if you don't hit totally team could lose and and it's not necessarily your fault but yeah you got to pull your own weight totally it's totally like baseball where it's like you made a play transfer the ball it's not like football where it's like right because baseball you just made a great point you don't go hand the ball to the no to anyone you either tag a motherfucker or you touch the base (laughs) and throw it but even if they real close to you you still like tossing the ball they could be a foot away from you and you still tossing the ball you don't just put it in their hand you know what i mean like yeah, the transference of baseball. So defensively, that's what's happening. And then offensively, it's, it's like... It's one-on-one. And basketball, football, yeah. you don't get that. I mean, there is a to a point, but for the most part, it's, it's a pitcher versus the hitter. You know, and unless yeah, it's the Astros, no they cheat. But I mean, anybody else. Yeah. Right, or the, or the Reds. Anything <laughs> the Red that Cora got a part of. Anything, <laughs> anything Alex Cora got a part of. Yeah, man. And, and Beltron, there's some damn cheat. Oh, man. Gonna jump off. That's the worst. You get hired and you're fired a week later. Like, dude, you, you got to go. <laughs> Like, <laughs> we can't do this. <laughs> his old ass was bullying Marks up in the. They was like, "I got a way we can do this." And they like, "Nope." What way are you talking about? We can cheat. We can put a. He just straight up said, "We could cheat. We're gonna put a camera in center field, and they listening to him like, why haven't we ever thought of this? We've been playing baseball thirty years, and like we never thought of this until they all them. They like, yeah, we're gonna put a camera in center field. So crazy. And listen." We all know, I love that I'm talking to you at this part of our conversation. Like, yeah. we all know that, like, uh, cheating. Ha- Dude, I remember, and I'm going to take you down a path. My boy played semi pro baseball, right? He used to play with Charles Johnson. Oh, the Derek catcher, Bell. yeah. Yeah, Derek Bell wow. from the Astros. Like, he's, he's like my age. All these dudes would be like my age. I'm 48. They would be like, you know, in that age range, right? And he used to play with them. And this was like 1997. The Roy shit came out, what, like mid-2000s, right? Like mid-late 2000s. Uh, well, like you mean when it was starting? Well, well, Sosa and McGuire in 98, Yeah, but course. when did they start exploiting it? Oh, like, exploiting it. Oh, yeah. I they started so. talking about it in like 05. Yeah, 06, yeah, 07. that's when baseball's like, uh-oh, we got a problem. Right, right. My boy who played semi-pro ball, he was telling me they was doing that shit in 97. And I looked at that motherfucker with the most scaffold look, and he went off on me, man. I'll tell you verbatim how the conversation when He was like, yeah, man, I was doing steroids back in, like, you know, in the early 90s. And he told me this in 97, so he's totally done playing, you know. And he, I said, man, how the fuck can you do steroids? Like, I was judgy with it. And he said... Man, get the fuck out of my face. Everybody was doing that shit, man. I used to play with, I'm playing with Charles Johnson and Derek Bell and all them. He wasn't saying that they were doing it. But what he was really saying is it was so commonplace because he's from Chicago, right? And you're playing with cats that's from like Texas and California, places that they're just like, it's just warm weather. They're constantly. playing year round. Yeah. Yeah. So they, so they, they, they're already like levels ahead of you. That by the time you get there, and then what kind of happens is, is, all right. Well, the kid from Chicago is gonna do roids. So now they're gonna do roids. So they don't get left behind. You know what I mean? And I remember like later 
damn it, 10 years later, because I, I remember I was like, that next year, 98, I was at the game when Sammy hit 61-62 at Wrigley Field. I was at that goddamn game. And I remember it was pandemonium. I'm a Sox fan, yeah. by the way. Oh, okay. But it was like, but it's it was fun to be at those games. You know what I'm saying? It was right. like, you know, neither team was killing like that. Even though I was a Sox fan, I was a baseball fan because it's like, yeah, I'm a Cubs it. fan, but you know, I could go to a White Sox game and enjoy myself too. But yeah, if you were in the building when history was happening, you know, regardless of what team you rooted building. for. Yeah, and I was with it. I was like, it was three days after my birthday. It was like, I remember the day, it was September 13th, some shit like that. Yeah, and I was like, I'm, I used to work at, the hospital, at Illinois Masonic Hospital, and they used to like give, they used to sell Cub tickets for like $7. And you could go right to admitting and just buy Cub tickets. And so I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to buy them fucking tickets. And that seemed like a lot of money at that moment. Me and my wife went. And, like, the the tickets were, like, yeah, about $7. And it was close to our birthdays. And I was like, hey, you want to go to a Cub game? And they were kind of in that pennant run. I think that was the magical season. 98. Harry Carey, yeah. Yeah, Harry Carey just passed that year, I want to say. Right. Yeah, he and missed the were, whole thing with Sosa and all that. Yeah, and that's that's what made the year magical because the Cubs was like, I think if I'm not mistaken, they was like in a battle because the Cardinals wasn't that good, but the Cubs were like trying to. I they had the uh, one game playoff against the Giants, and, and then they won they, that, right? they won that, but then they got swept by the Braves. You know, Kerry Wood uh, versus Maddox was in one of those games. So I'm a Cub nerd. Yeah. I could talk about all this stuff, but they they got that's swept. Fine. Unfortunately, they they couldn't hang with the Braves. It's almost like them getting to the playoffs was their World Series that year. That's it back totally in the was. day. That's back in the day when the Cubs went to the playoffs and you're just happy. And like and then once they won the World Series, everything changed. Now the expectations are on another what level. Year, I, what year was that when when they beat the Braves and then they went to the NLC? That was 2003. Here we yeah. go. That night, right? The Bartman year. <laughs> it was the Bartman year. The the night when they beat the Braves, I think Kerry Wood won that. Game, game. five, yep. And so we were we had a show was, in Wrigleyville. Was that with Mos Def? Yes. Because you I went that? I was at that show at the Metro, right? It was crazy and, and yes, Mos Def came on the mic and he said the Cubs are going to the next round of the playoffs. They haven't done and he I'm like, Mos Def's knowing about the Cubs. Like I remember I'll never forget we, that he said that. We opened for them that night. So that's the show you're talking about earlier than that most stuff. Yeah. Okay. So we 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 like opened and it was they brought it was Talib. Everybody was at that. Kanye was at that show. They they was bringing out Kanye. He already like did the Jay Z tunes, but he was hanging out with most of them at that time. You remember that? Like they all I, came out. Man, and I, they brought Kanye out. He didn't even have like. He that was before his, uh, his first album, right? Completely. He's, yeah. He was like still trying to figure out just his swag. He he was like stylish. But he was trying. He was stiff on stage. They had him bust a, a rhyme, and he was just like very, like yeah, just stiff. Stage fright, you know? almost in a sense, or just yeah, not not yeah. ready for the limelight. Which of course he's um, way past typical, right now. Way past. Just too typical, like producer rapper trying to like right. produ- you know, like he he definitely knew how to flow, but he just didn't know how to deliver it, you know. And yeah, man, he like he worked on that. I, I mean, think I, I think it might have been late to that show. That's why I don't remember a lot of stuff before most. So if that was early, I might have missed it. But I remember him talking about the Cubs winning and all that. So you guys opened for him. 
That's we next. opened that night, man. It was, and and the night when the Cubs won in '98, I'm trying to get these nights together. So the night when they won in '98, I think they they beat the Braves, right? Um, I feel we were opening for Tortoise. No, no, I got my nights mixed up. Here we go. So when the Bulls won the championship. And we was also in Wrigleyville that night, and we was opening for Tortoise. That was like this 90, was their last championship, the sixth. I want to say it was like ninety-seven. Yeah, that would have been the last one, probably. Okay, mm-hmm. ninety-eight was the last one. Ninety-eight. Right? Oh, well, yeah. I guess if you, yeah, the start of the year was ninety-seven, and then ninety-eight. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Jordan's mm-hmm. last. I think third run was Supersonic Jazz Jazz. Right. Yes, and I'm trying to remember which one was the flu game. Was that the last Jazz or the first Jazz? Uh... That was the first Jazz series. Yeah, yeah damn, yeah. it's so crazy. I remember like uh, I'm I'm like totally digressing on a mic thing now. Uh, I I got two like crazy things about Mike I could say, but they're not in any way, shape, or form me meeting him. I remember my boys had that that NBA 2K. I forget what year, but it was the Michael Jordan one. Remember that game? Right, right. I remember, like, everyone, you know, I always hear these, like, uh, I listen to a lot of sports radio, and I listen to some, like, you know, disc jockeys. They'll say how LeBron is, like, just as good as Michael Jordan, and he's greater. Gotta let me talk about this. No matter what you feel, just hear me on this. I got you. Go ahead, man. He, so I looked at the, the NBA 2K game, whatever year that was, and Michael Jordan was on the cover. And they would have you like get these, like unlock these shits, and you'd have to have these specific games that Jordan had in his career. And I was like, it was just these crazy ass stats that would come up. And he still would have like 36 points, nine rebounds, four steals. And you'd have to like come up with that. And I'd just be like, yeah, he didn't have like, you know, but he still was distributing the ball. Like, he'd have, like, six assists or eight assists. He was just such an explosive scorer. But he definitely was getting his, like, dish on and all that. And he's not, like, an assist king, but I felt like he could totally adjust his game to that, as he did in one all-star game. He just was, like, he would do something like draw him in and then kick out the packs or kick out to BJ, right. kick out to Kurt. You know what I mean? Like, that was just his shit, and that's how he did that. Um, I remember at the Shrine, take us right back to where we started. There it is. Ray Lewis comes in. Uh-oh. <laughs> and, and I know. Everybody left? It, Everybody left okay? Everybody's all no, right? No, 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 come on, man, stop it. He comes in, he comes in like a, it's like a, a Sunday night. I had a reggae night, and he comes in. My boy brings him in. This is like 2015. It's like my last year at the shrine. And he comes in, right? And he's smoking a cigar in the in the suite. So I go to him and I'm like, hey, Ray, can't smoke that in here, man. And he's like, he starts speaking patois to me. Mimi, can I smoke this something in here? Man, I ain't gonna smoke it. You know, like <laughs> straight going patois with me. And I said, Damn, this nigga straight up like speaking patois to me. And I knew exactly what he was saying. So I said, nah, man, you can't smoke that up in here. I said, but I can take you to the green room and you can smoke as many cigars as you want down there. Because I already knew like 
he wanted to kind of be incognito. You know, even though he's in the suite, he kind of wanted to just, you know, he didn't want to be on the patio. I don't right. remember the shrine. Like, he just didn't want to be on the floor or the patio. Right. And so he just either wanted, and he wanted to smoke a cigar. And I wasn't going to be like, get the hell out of here. So I took him downstairs in the green room. And it probably was like 15 people in that green room. Like, I didn't stop people. I had the server just bring him down wine. He he liked wine. And anyway, this is the point I'm going to make. So I, I decided to start asking questions. All of us were asking these, like, football-y-ass questions, sports questions. And so we said, man, who did you really love, man? Who did you, like, come up, you know, really loving? As an athlete, and he said Michael Jordan. He said, "See, here's why." And he started breaking it down, and I need you to hear me on this because it, it, it. He broke it down in a way that I just never even thought to break this down. Okay. But he said I wanted to be like Michael Jordan because I really respected how he hung in there with his city and never left never left to chase he just hung in there he said like that that's a big deal to a lot of great players he said a lot of people he said that's why Brett Favre will be a greater quarterback low-key than Aaron Rodgers he said because Brett he said it was just a different personality then he said it was like these different wars that don't happen in sports no more like and what he meant by that was like these like you know, Darth Vader, Luke, Luke Skywalker type wars, right? Like Mike had to get past Larry Bird and Isaiah. Right. Like he and and his immediate barometer was to get past Isaiah and Bill Lambeer. Like Ugh, bad he, he boys. Knew yeah. he, right. He knew once he could beat the piss. It's always like when you trying to be that great, it usually starts in your division. Obviously, it's in your conference, but it's generally somebody in your division that's just like got their foot on your ass so he was like my person was Eddie George he was like Eddie George he said the Titans man he said it was like that was just like my damn kryptonite the Titans just (laughs) always would beat us he said when I was in jail he mentioned jail he said when I was in jail he said I was working out I'd be doing push-ups. He said, I'll be just like looking at pictures of Eddie George, thinking of how can I just be Eddie George? That's crazy. He said, I'm not embellishing this story. He was like, so when I looked at Michael Jordan, he said, and this is why Michael Jordan will always be great in LeBron. He said this because Mike had the mental fortitude. See, LeBron always had it in his heart to win, but he needed to, he made like like it was the Wizard of Oz. He needed to go elsewhere <laughs> to like discover his heart and discover his home before he came back home to discover there's no place like home. Right. And he then left. Where, and then <laughs> left. And then left. Yes. Yeah. But he still, right? But he, he, he could, he, he never really had to leave Cleveland. He just could have just, I get like yeah. things happen, but like it took him to get the confidence of rocking with uh, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch 
to learn how to win with them so then he could come back to win in his hometown. And really, like, he slayed a team tougher than damn near any of them teams they faced. Damn near by himself. I mean, basically. Yeah. yeah. Basically. No coach. (laughs) No no coach. He was up against Steph Curry. Who was that? Steph Curry. Wasn't uh, uh, Durant on that team, too? I believe. Yeah, they had everybody on that team. They had everybody. And he had to, like, step up. Anyway, same thing happened with Mike. They was like, man, Mike. You know, was like uh, Mike just didn't um, he didn't you know, he didn't chase. So he stayed there during them tough ass years, during them ass kick years. And then he developed a squad. He said, man, that 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 made me go. I'm going to have to stay in Baltimore, he said, because then when I finally retire, he said, I'll never have to pay for a dinner ever again in this town. He said, like. That's this town true. is my town. Him and Ed Reed can do whatever they him want. And Ed, him and Ed Reed, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And But you see my point I'm making? It's like yeah. Pippen, Pippen the same thing. Scotty, man. Scotty had to stay there. And like, he had to endure. You know, like, people talk about the migraine, and they don't that much no more. But like. Oh, the sack, the 1.7 and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he's made some crazy-ass, like, decisions in his basketball career but the one thing that that scotty you can always say about scotty scotty was a winner and he like he had to learn too he had to like go through it he was on some horrible bulls team not really horrible but they you know they go to the playoffs but it was like they had to like really learn how to like get those championships and scotty's best year might have been the year jordan was the full year that jordan was gone uh, he should have won oh, mvp that, that year and you know the hugh hollands thing talk about that all day but uh, they should the 94 the 94 <laughs> yeah year. the phantom call and all that but. yeah the 94 year like he was that was his best year the, the first year mike retired he was killer in 95 too yeah he was he was kind of breaking down remember he was like he had to sit out. Remember, he was sitting out, and yeah. then Kukoc hit the shot, and, and then he like he he would get into fights and throw chairs, and he was just falling apart. And then Mike came back, and Pippen was guy, probably like, "Take some of this off my shoulders, please. And my back is hurting big time." <laughs> I'm yeah, carrying yeah, like, Bill Wennington and these other dudes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like they definitely was like Thomas said, they had to make white boy. Yes, like, they it did. Was just, it was just like <laughs> you, you only see Judd Bushler and these guys so many times before it's like, all right. And then, <laughs> but that just goes to show basketball is so much like, and football is becoming like this too, where like just the best. As long as you got the best player, I when the Super Bowl just passed by, I was like, man, Pat Mahomes. I, I said I gotta go with the Chiefs. And everybody was like, man, I don't know who to go with. I don't know. And I just was like, man, you know what? I'm just going to go with the best player. And the craziest thing is when the best player is the quarterback, you got to go with that team. Yeah. You and got it's, to. Garoppolo is, you know, nice local story, but the dude is not even on Mahomes' level whatsoever. No. So you knew that if Mahomes did his thing, gets 30 points, this is, this is a wrap. It's a wrap. <laughs> and you looking at like – you're looking at like that whole defensive line for San Francisco killer. They had like a killer front four. I was like, the only way that they're going to win is if that front four get to them. And guess what? For like three and a half quarters, they was. 
And then, like, I think it was just a couple, like, bad, you know, a couple bad cards, bad possessions. And you can't give a guy like that a chance. But that's what it all comes down to. I mean, you, you, when you think about the best, regardless of the sport, the best players, the ones that come to play, they could be losing the whole game. And the next thing you know, you give them that one little opening and they just, they take it. And that's what he did. The great ones, man. You literally have to, I hate to say this, but you had to cut the head off the snake. Oh, man. Real. Like, yeah, you're not kidding. You, you got Mike down. Mike could, I've seen, I remember games that Mike would be like nine for 22, nine for 24. And he still had like 25 points because he, he, he hit like, or they're damn near 30 because he would hit like, you know, well, free throws. And stuff. Yeah. 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 Cause he'd be going to the line, you know, like he just would be just, he'd do whatever it took. And he would just like, you just was, you could be a better athlete than him. Derek Jeter, you could totally, Derek Jeter was not at super athletic like that, but he just knew how to come up with the big hit and he didn't pull. He gave, he hit whatever the hell you right. gave him. Um, Tom Brady, Tom t- 12, man. As long as you had number 12 out there, man, look at the the Falcons. They decided to pass all over the place. You don't, you can't, like the gods. (laughs) Big mistake. Yeah, the gods be on guys like that side, man. The the football guys, the sports guys, whatever you want to call it, they be on those guys' side, man. They just, Reggie Jackson. I remember Reggie Jackson. Yeah, Mr. October. Man, I remember him as a shorty, man. He was always advertised when, like, when that shit, he he was batting, bro. He would be batting like two forty something, two fifty. That was when like power hitters would either be hitting it out of the park or striking out. But boy, he would when when that October shit rolled around, and I didn't ever even see him as an A. He remember he was winning as an A too. Yeah, like Angels, he, you know, after the Yankees Angels, and all that. Yeah, after, and he was killing as an Angel. Like I remember, it, those was like. Who was all on them squads? It was uh, him. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Who else? Rod Carew was on that squad. Yeah, um, past their prime, but still, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally past. But Rod Carew was still killing. He had like three home runs and 60 RBIs. Right. <laughs> some crazy shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, that was like, that was back then when Muggs was like RBI machines. You'd be just looking <laughs> at who else was on that team. I'm, I'm, it's my mind. I'm is trying escaping to think. Me. Brian Downing. I don't. Know, I have to go look up my. Uh, yeah, Brian. California Angels uh, era. Yeah, that was great. It was like great cats on that team. Um, yeah, man. I, baseball was like it still is fun. Like I really, I'm excited. It's coming up, man. Sox look like they have a squad that they built up. Cubs, uh, we'll see what happens. But <laughs> socks look like they're doing you know something, what, man. You know what? Like, I'll say this about the Cubs. I did not know this stat. They lost 27 games by one run. Yeah, they, they had some real crushers last year, man. I mean, no season is the same, first of all. But what that tells me is that either they're going to really be good or they're going to suck. <laughs> That's true. Right? Because, like, those games, if you lost 27 games by one run, all they needed was a good 10 of those. And they in the playoffs. The whole thing changes, yeah. They win win the division, probably, if they can get 10 of those. If they can turn that around, you know, I'm glad they kept Chris Bryant, like. So far. (laughs) So far. 
I don't think they're gonna. Man, I hope not. It, I understand the the, uh, the business end of it, but I I don't see how you could let a generational talent, a dude. You're talking about what Ray Lewis is talking about, guys who stay in one place the whole career, and I, I just don't want to see Red him. They yeah, let, they let go of Mookie Betts. Man, I. I hate I hate the business man when it comes to that kind of stuff because all you're really really doing is you're just retooling and then yeah, you're, then you're going to be paying for somebody else. Like sometimes it just feels like you're just moving money around. You're 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 not really it's totally. I it's hate totally, it. Yeah, I hate it, dude. It's it's like it's it's just a different because they're going to buy a player in three years and you know it's like why well, wouldn't just use that money for, to keep Mookie here? I just ah, I, I hate that stuff, man. Yeah, and it's like you're kind of banking on something that's unknown. Like I heard, like a, a, just a, a murmur of like someone saying the Bears were going to trade, and I knew this wasn't true. But they were like, "Did you hear this? Like the Bears will possibly trade Khalil Mack to the uh, to to whoever the number two team is to pick up that kid from um, uh, Chase Young from Ohio State." And I was like. That's idiotic. Nah, like that doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. But it. But but this is how crazy it is. You could literally like say that, and you know, it's believable a little bit. Like because it's just like it. It don't make any sense. First of all, but at the same time, teams don't have no loyalty like that. Like they rather go for something again, just shifting money around. Like but it. It all catches up, like. I mean, if you're doing you that, know. you've given up on the current roster because you've you pretty much said Trubisky's not the guy, which looks like he isn't. But you've admitted it publicly if you get rid of Mac, because you're like you're saying the defense is not a factor either. I think he played a little hurt this year, man. Personally. Yeah, and it just wasn't the same. You know, it wasn't the same defense. A lot of the guys weren't playing to their usual numbers. Like Eddie Jackson didn't have all the interceptions and. That's Floyd true. didn't That's get true. as many sacks as I was hoping for. It just it was just a down year all around. After that Thursday game against the Packers, it was just like psh, the air was out of the I, balloon and it never got put back in. You're tr- you're right, dude. They and I don't I don't know what happened, but I just felt Nagy decided to do something totally different with Trubisky than what he did last year, last season. I thought he had way more flash last year. You remember that one game when he was like zigzagging, running up the field, scoring? Yeah. He, he had a few games. He didn't have a, like a ton of sucky games last year. He just had a, enough where you'd be like, man, I wonder how this dude's going to be the next year. Is he going to step up or he's going to regress? Right. I was pretty excited about him stepping in. I mean, I knew he wasn't. Uh, he's not Mahomes. Deshaun. He's not uh, he's the not dude Deshaun. in Texas. He's not Deshaun Watson. Right. I, I thought that was like crazy that they did not even in you know interview Deshaun Watson. I thought that they would just get him. I mean, they're in the same goddamn conference. It just doesn't even make sense. Nah. Like, how can you not even like interview a dude like that? But nonetheless, I thought Trubisky. You know, I thought we could probably win with him, especially with like dope defense. No, the wide receiver core was was pretty legit. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't killer, but it was definitely. No, A. Rob had a great year. Allen Robinson and Taylor uh, Gabriel had some nice games. But they had they had things happening. They just couldn't. Anthony Miller regressed. Remember he was yeah, like dope. Uh, right. They got rid of uh, Jordan Howard. 
Tariq Cohen kind of had regressed. They didn't use him correctly. We all thought it was just a kicker, and uh, ended up being a lot more than the kicker when the season was over. A lot more than the kicker, bro. Like it, and then uh, truth be told, I thought the defense losing Akeem Hicks had hurt, but then they just wasn't able to. So, for example, when you said uh, Eddie Jackson, Eddie Jackson just was in a whole different role in that defense than what he was with Fangio. Fangio, he kind of had an Ed Reed vibe about him. Yeah. You know, the, that this team, he was kind of like playing run a little more. Yeah, maybe they miss Amos more than they probably let on too because he left and he's not like a big name, but maybe playing next to Jackson made a big difference for uh, for Jackson. Yeah. Fuller I mean, had a nice year. He seemed to not really have a, a drop-off, but for the most part, yeah, all those guys in the defense, they just not, did not play as good as they did the year before. They weren't bad. It just wasn't. You know, I don't think Floyd, by the way, to your point, I don't think he's uh, I just don't think he's like a, a traditional uh, outside linebacker pass rusher. Yeah. I don't think he I don't think he has that. Like, I, I, I think he's a decent player, but I just don't I don't think you're going to get any pop out of him like that. Like I was I hoping so. On him. Yeah, they might have missed yeah. on him, man. He might be too lean. I'm not sure what it is, but he's just not. Yeah, he doesn't he get decent. to the quarterback, yeah. Yeah, he decent. Like, he just don't make, like, he's not like a killer cover guy, but he's okay. He stops the run okay. And what do he have, five sacks maybe this year? Maybe? Yeah, for what where they drafted him and what they pay him and what the expectations are, I mean – He's not Richard Dent, man. He's not a. He's not that. He's not. He's not even like. Uh, oh boy. Um, he's not even Chris Zorge. Or oh, any wow. of them dudes. Like, <laughs> he's not even like Alonzo Spellman. Shit. Well, like, Spellman, just, man, that dude was put together too, man. He was out there. He was a beast. He was a beast, and then he just couldn't. I don't know, man. Like the Bears don't really um, draft. I heard Lance Briggs saying this one time. They don't draft like just splash players it really always trips me out when a chicago team gets a, a like a player that's like whoa this dude's just like jump like when they got derrick rose i swear i was looking for the bulls i'm jumping now but when the bull when the bulls got derrick rose i really thought they was gonna go for michael beasley i was like watch him probably get michael beasley they just don't like <laughs> totally on the chicago kid and then they find a way to like mess up talent i mean like now i'm jumping again but look at kobe white they just totally this kid is a dope basketball player yeah. and they don't even know how to like now all of a sudden he sucks you don't even hear him talk about him he's oh. not even like a part of the the um the up and comers you know the bulls are i think it's pathetic if you think about it the all-star game is here in town and there's almost zero chicago representation it's 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 really it's really sad man how far this this franchise has fallen not just since the six championships but i mean since the rose era and even you go back to like you know heinrich and ben gordon era like just man they just can't get it together man i don't even watch them i i can't i can't turn them on i don't i don't it's too know. hard for me to watch two and a half hours of that it is. I I I was excited early in the season, and then they lost the first game, and and then I watched them against the Lakers. I, it seemed like at one point, every time I watched them, they would choke. And then I just like the coach is like he's the worst. Uh, he's the worst he's man. The worst. <laughs> he's he's got to go worst. so bad. <laughs> he's like 
I mean, the whole like damn front regime gotta be up. Paxson gotta be up. Gar gotta be up. Definitely Boylan gotta be up out of there. Like yeah, Paxson Foreman. How many coaches do you get? How many chances of rebuilds do you get? Yeah, it's too much, man. Any other organization, they would be gone by now. You know Jerry though, man. He's like he's loyal. He's loyal, man. He he liked that with the White Sox. Like Kenny Williams, right? He'll be there forever. Kenny Williams ain't getting fired, man. Kenny nope. Williams. And I actually though, by the way, I am in the minority of liking Kenny Williams, you know. Like he built know, the two thousand five like, team and you gotta give yeah. him his props. So And that's why I like the Cubs throw me off sometime because you gotta got I think it's just the business now, but like Joe Madden wins you a World Series. Now, by the way, he did like an awful job with Game Seven, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, dude. I know you probably was losing your man, mind. Man, I'm like shit. Hendricks had that. Come on, man. Yeah, pulled he him. Out-thunk, he outdunk himself totally. And and pitching Chapman totally. in Game Six when he didn't need to, he had a big lead, and he was like wearing his arm out after you already rode that dude in Game Five. Yeah, don't. Joe won, but Joe's not why they won. Joe is not why they won. Like, he tried everything in his power to get that shit away. You know, you you put Chapman in. You got like a like a six, seven run lead. Something crazy. It was something like that. like that you did not need. You had Strope or anybody could have he pitched a couple innings. Putting, remember, he, he took out Hendricks and then he put Lester in. Right. And it was like. And then you had to change the catcher. You had to take out Contreras who hit a home run. Yes. You had to put in yes. Ross because Lesser needs his guy. And respect right. to Ross, he hit a home run. But if you remember, that crazy shit happened where the ball got the loose ball. and two guys are running around. I'm like, what the. All this happened because you had to change because Lester was warming up and you got to put him in because you can't let him just sit out there. Yeah. Oh, so stupid. Change for yeah. the sake of change. Just change for the sake of change. He didn't even have stress innings. So it wasn't like he was in, you got to let a guy like him, this is game seven, bro. Just let him, just, just, just ride him. I mean, just let him make it through five innings. I mean, he just walked a guy. He was, he was squeezed on the pitch. I I can't remember talking about this in 2020, but here I am. Yeah. And it's, he just couldn't, (laughs) couldn't wait to put Lester and Ross in there. The ball bounced off Ross's helmet. I thought he died or something. I don't know what happened. Yeah, it looked crazy because he fell on his ass and like. Like this old man, what is he doing? And it was a loud clunk and, (sighs) and like, I was like, is this something to this shit? Like, is it, is it like, like. I don't – there's no way, like, for me to try to believe a curse, especially with some players. But when that, that kind of crap happens. Do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I totally remember 03. I totally, like, remember the whole, like, sequence, how everything was on Bartman. But it was like – let me try to remember this right. Moises' asshole loses his mind when – it's like 12 people going for a foul ball over there. But it just so happened a dude, Bartman, had the best chance. But it was a lot of people reaching their hands up for that ball at that point. Yeah, so whoever was sitting that, next to him is just as guilty, but unfortunately he didn't. He, yeah. he did it. Okay, so Alou loses it. Now, just a whole – that just drove the whole stadium and in in just – they had everybody had a conniption. So then – I think the next thing was that crazy ass hit that Alice Gonzalez like totally like he botched up. a double play or whatever it was. He botched yeah. a double play. Right. He might have, might have not had it, 
but he just was not in a good fielding position to make it look like he had a chance anyway. Well, here's the third and, thing. Dusty should have taken Pryor out and put yep. somebody else in there. He waited way too long. Yep. And yep. I know they had a bunch of bums coming in, but yep. he had to nip that in the bud. And Yep. Uh, yep. Or, or if you don't take Pryor out, I thought at least he should have had a conversation with him. Yeah, he, yeah. He something. didn't even talk to him. He didn't even talk to him. No, nah, the whole thing was just – they let it just unravel to the point where I think I even it was it Ozzie Guillen or somebody said like we got him we're gonna make that guy famous and because he was in the you know the dugout for the Marlins and yeah just to oh oh my god <laughs> the good thing is like 2016 kind of killed all those demons but they're still there I still think about them every now and then oh dude I I, I remember how about I fuck you over this I remember 84 that's when I first started watching that's you know Leon Durr was my favorite player because I'm left-handed and when that ball went through his legs, man, it it crushed it, me. It, <laughs> it, it kind of crushed me a little bit too. I remember like making my. It wasn't a clear uh, alliance to whoever the Sox or Cubs were, but I do remember this: the Sox were in the playoffs in '83, the year before that. '80, you know, they were in, in the playoffs in '83. Right, winning ugly and then, in the Baltimore and winning ugly. Yeah, yeah, and they. And they lost to a great Baltimore team. I mean, that team had like Eddie Murray and Cal Ripken Jr. and right. Mike Mike Flanagan and Steve Boddicker and Storm Davis. Oh man, look at you going deep on the '83 Orioles. The <laughs> Orioles, bro. The Orioles used to have some whips though. Like in, yeah. the, in the late '70s and the '80s, they had some. They they had like they they were like the original Mike Boddicker. They had pitches Jim Palmer like. Jim Palmer, man, was like a beast. Like, Steve Stone won a Cy Young there, yeah. Steve Stone was there. Like, they had, um, I forget who their catcher was. He wasn't bad either. Like, Jack. Uh, Rick, De- Rick Dempsey? Rick Dempsey. Rick Dempsey. Yeah. I was about to call him a box. Rick Dempsey. <laughs> like, they had, like, a couple, like, they was dope, man. But anyway, like, so they beat the Sox 3-1. And that was, like, you know, what it was. But then the following year. I remember, like, as much as that was a big deal for the Sox because no one in baseball was winning, and as a matter of fact, just wasn't really good Chicago teams at that moment, you know. But then in 84, I remember my teacher letting us watch the Cubs game in class. Yeah, we did that. I went to Armstrong School in Rogers Park, and we, they, would, they would turn it on. Yep, they turned that motherfucker on, and I think the Cubs beat their ass like fourteen and nothing or some <laughs> crazy shit. Like yeah. they beat them, and then they beat their ass again, and it was like, okay, just go to San Diego and win one. You're good. You're going to World Series, right? And they went there and just basically like, you know. And as a kid, that was the first time I remember my dad said to me, "He's like, we'll get them next year." I didn't know what that meant because I didn't know they were bad. Like, I was eight, nine years old. I didn't know this was, like, a new thing for this team to be good and be in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. I didn't know this was, like, rare. You know what I mean? So I had no idea. What, what does next year mean? Yeah, we'll get them next year. And it didn't happen. It didn't <laughs> happen. And then you – it was painful being – liking both of them teams. Like, you know, I, I remember, like, and then the, the early 90s with the Sox, like, you had the Bo Jackson and – 
Frank Thomas. Yeah, the kids can play, right? All those. Yeah, uh, it, well, that was before the kids. Could oh, play. you're all right. You're talking about this is like ninety four. Like, yeah, yeah, Ozzy was on that team, but they couldn't beat the Blue Jay squads. Right. And then, and then ninety four, they were really cold, and the strike season happened. Yeah, yeah. Julio Franco was killing it. I remember that. Julio Franco, you had Black Jack McDowell, you had like uh, Jason Bure, uh, Jason Bure, Alex Fernandez, Alex Fernandez. I think Wilson Alvarez, one of them dudes. Like you, they had like a whip. Ninety four, kind of like it could have been the Montreal Expos and the White Sox. Those are probably the two best teams at the time of the strike. At the time, it was, and you know what's crazy. I remember Yankee fans coming to me saying, man, the Yankees was going to kill too. And I thought about it. I said, they probably would have. Yeah, we never know. We ne- we'll you never, never know. know. I think a year later, basically won the Worlds. Who won 95? Uh, no, nah, they won 96. But they, they came around. Who was 95? I'm sure the Indians were in it, but they lost. But who did they lose to? It wasn't the Braves. It might have It might have been the Indians in 95. Yeah, they might have won that one. I know the... The Braves won win, one, but, they but it went. wasn't that one. Yeah, it was. They yeah, the Braves won one. The Indians went twice. They went against the Marlins and they went against the Braves and they lost both times. Right. Yeah, I'll never forget you know, that. Yeah, I used to love them Indians teams, man. I used to be ashamed to tell people that, but I used to love them dudes. I used to like watching because they had a lot of old guys like Dennis Martinez and Oral Hershiser and Eddie Murray, and they were still trying to. Along with that good young nucleus of Tommy and Bayerga and Vizquel, but yeah, they all Manny, always, Manny, man, oh my God, yeah, Manny, how can I forget Manny? Yeah, uh, Manny, you had Sandy uh, Alomar, and you had both Alomars, you had right, Sandy, Roberto, you had Sandy and Roberto, yeah, Kenny Lofton, Kenny, man, yeah, that was a, that was a nice team, man. They should have won a lot, a lot should've more. Should have won, should have won. They was like really. Yeah, it was a good team, man. That stick up and down that lineup was crazy. Speaking of good teams, man, you told me Cap D, Doug Infinite, and Mr. Greenweeds might do a record, man. Is is this true? We have not. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, Caught we, you off guard. Got, yeah, yeah. We we we. Um, truth be told, we just knew a lot of our homies passed away. You know, mm-hmm. we knew like. Uh, no, for me, I was thinking of like just how many homies of ours just like passed away, man. And we was just like, so I, you know, I was on my way to San Francisco. I had a gig actually out there. I was doing this like um, on-site advertisement for McDonald's. But, but on my way out there, I, before I went out there, before I even booked the gig, I was talking to Dave and I was like, yo, Cap, man, we should just like, get together do a record me you and doug man like and we couldn't make a studio session happen i remember that and cap couldn't get to uh san francisco because we really want to like be around each other as much as possible to record the record too and you know obviously with all of us being grown that's kind of tough but i think we can make it happen so, you know, the music is like, you know, me and Doug got started on some stuff and we're all just like trying to figure out like just to, to kind of like make it happen. And um, we will. I feel we will. Like, man, that'd be I th- great. I th- I th- yeah, I think we just doing it because it's like fun 
No one's thinking about money. So that's the part that's going to be fun because we've all like just gotten older and we still all creative. You know what right. I'm saying? So I would be interested to see just like where it come together. I tell you this much, man. I love doing tunes with with Dave and, and Doug because they really know how to produce a song. Right. You know, Cap D, you know, a lot of people don't really like giving props on being able to like really know how to produce hip hop tunes. Like, you know, he get he like he definitely will speak about what is totally like any rapper was totally tangible to him. And so he sometimes will just like go for the the message. Uh but when he gets in those also those moments where he's like thinking about, you know what, I gotta like have this kind of song or this kind of song and he just decides like I'm gonna produce a song right about now. Man, you can't. You, he's like one of the best at that, man. Like he's just like really one of the best. So for him to come up with fifty years was like so crazy because that was like that whole like I I that's that's that whole I used to love her. You know what I'm saying? Thing. That's that whole vibe and why everyone was like kind of having a I used to love her tunes. He had like a futuristic. I used to love her. That's right. what Fifty Years is. Yeah. You know, it's it's like Flux Capacitor. I used to love. Her. <laughs> I used to love her on the Flux Capacitor because Common set the bar so high with that song, and he totally like just was a trendsetter in the sense of now everyone started writing those type of like hip hop is my love you know like you know the the roots had a song you know every and everyone who did it by the way did it dope damn near yeah but like he kind of like just like put it on his head with doing a 50 years you know a lot of people don't know this i brought him that sample really yeah it's a ramsey lewis tune some ramsey lewis tune there you Uh, go some chicago uh, history right there yeah, I brought him that sample. Now, what I mean by that is I I brought him we, we were gonna do two we did two songs together. One song we wrote called Don't Wait Up and then he took the other sample and it's 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 basically all Beatles tunes that Ramsey Lewis replayed. And then he took the other song and he flipped fifty years. I didn't tell him you should sample this, but I told him, listen to this tune and listen to this tune and then he flipped it man and it's a classic <laughs> that's that's man, man that's and crazy and both songs were cold the song i did don't wait up we just didn't put it out but it was like ridiculously cold and i used to perform it live if you would see me in like 1993 4 period i would do that song hella and like Dave was on the song, but we was talking about how, like, we would tell our girlfriends, don't wait up for us, you know, like, we're going to be out partying. <laughs> and it was it was a cool tune, man. We both had, we, we had, we were sampling that fight, go out on my own, it's something that I got to do, do what the hell I want and have no one to listen to. Like, we would just sample that. But anyway, then he, then he flipped 50 years off of that. A lot of people, like, don't know that. Again, 
not taking credit for the creation. No, 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 no. But I'm just saying I brought him that record. Man, man, I see. I did not know that. That is history right there. Before Uh I let you go, man, I got to ask how you came up with the name Green Weeds. O-Type Star. Oh, okay. Uh, Do you know that guy? Uh Uh-uh. We were part of this group called Alter Boisterous, and my name before that was Mr. Green Jeans. Do you remember who Mr. Green Jeans was? Man, that, that's that a, is that a cartoon or is that like a... Yeah, Captain Kangaroo. Yeah, he was, okay, right. He was. He used to, ironically, I dress like this nigga now. <laughs> he was like, he used like a, a, a straw hat, overalls, checkered work shirt, I believe. And he had on green overalls or he would be wearing green jeans. Gotcha. And like... He he would always be in green though, and he would and his his name was Mister Green Jeans, and I said, man, that's who I am, Mister Green Jeans. And then I said, that's kind of a cool name, ain't it? <laughs> and then I said, man, you know what? My boy, then O was like, man, you ought to change your name to Mister Green Weeds, man. I mean, you love smoking weed and you love kicking it. You a roster, you know? You letting your hair grow and shit. Y'all just become Mr. Greenweeds. And then I said, yeah, anyway, man, it, I might get sued and be, when I become this big-ass rapper. <laughs> and I don't feel like, because remember Common was Common Sense. And he had to change and it. And he right. had to drop the sense. And I said, I don't want to go through that shit. A lot of rappers was kind of dealing with that yeah. shit. Not a lot, but it was just happening. Smith and Wesson, right? You know, they had to change. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I was like, I don't want to deal with that shit. So during that time, I just said, all right, I'll change into Mr. Greenweeds. And then henceforth, that's who I've been, and that's been since like 1992 or three, something man. like that. Mr. Greenweeds dropping that Chicago history right here, man. Yeah, man. It was uh final part of that is I was going like, you know, I had to, because when I was be speaking to kids and I was in my 20s, and, you know, we was totally like this, you know, outlaw shit. And so when kids, kids always would ask me if we was teaching a class, what does that mean? You know, kids be trying your ass. And I was like, it means fertility and growth of humanity for having the courage to uproot and uplift black culture. Now, it still means that. However, I have no problem telling people <laughs> I smoke. That's great, man. See, you flipped it. You made it positive for the whole family. There it is. Yeah, man. As I, <laughs> you know, as I got older, you know, like I want to say like when I got probably like in my mid 30s. I just kind of like realized like, yo, I'm a contributor to society. I'm a cool dude. You know, man, like I ain't hurt nobody. And like, you know, I'm a regular guy on that level. And I'm like, man, I ain't got to hide shit. You know, people, some people like to have a drink. I like to blaze. I mean, I don't drink. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't do hard shit. Like, you know, I I think someone slipped me coke one time in a joint, but that don't count. My tongue was gone for 15 minutes, but that tongue was out of there. Freestyling was was put on hold for a minute. Oh, dude, I had to slow down. I remember I was listening to a David Byrne record with these dudes, and he tried to, like, ask me if I wanted some pee. He asked me, actually, he said, man, you want to put some coke on that? And I was like, nah, man, I'm straight. I don't do that shit. And he still, like, hit me off with it, like, on some, like, yeah, you you know, you don't know what you're missing type shit. And then I, I didn't say shit, though. Like, I didn't even approach him like that. I was a young 20-something-year-old dude. I probably wasn't even, like, 25 or 26. And I was like, 
you know what? Like, first of all, I can't say anything if I wanted to. And second of all, I don't want to freak the fuck out. So let me just be cool. Enjoy this high. (laughs) (laughs) And now you got a story to tell. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was. I straight up was like, I'll never do this shit again. But I can see why niggas be doing it all. Yeah, you got a point of reference, even if you did not want it. (laughs) I was like, man, I see why motherfuckers shouldn't be doing this shit. This shit make you want to like just live in this life. (laughs) You know, like it wasn't fun, but it was one of those things where it was like, you get it, okay. Yeah, like I could see why when motherfuckers find coke in the movies, they always taste it. <laughs> <laughs> like I'd be like, why the nigga always taste? Well, you got to be a cop coke? first, right? You put your yeah, pinky yeah. in, taste yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, David Banner used to do it too. All kinds of motherfuckers in the seventies, they find that coke and they taste it. Like Charlie's <laughs> Angels, same thing. The Angels taste that shit. Like it was candy it or something. Yeah, yeah. rub it across their gum and shit. They be like the fuck is this novocaine what was was that candy back in the day we had like the white powder stick you put it in you dip it into the powder yeah it was like that Uh but the adult version (laughs) yeah we always i used to tell my boys i'd be like man you can look at coke and know it's coke you don't have to taste it like you can look at it and be like oh okay that's coke in the 70s them motherfuckers always find that shit i mean take a pinch and rub that shit on their tongue and then i'd be like okay how do they know what they just found i'd be like how do they know what they just found? Like, <laughs> how do you know? But then I knew when I had did that, it was like a joint. It was a dusted joint. And I was like, whoa. I said, my tongue is out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, man. I hate to leave it on that, but. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> right, man. I appreciate you. Bro. Yo, man, where could people find Greenweed's music and follow you and see what you're up to, man? Bro, I got to tell you, I'm still a work in progress. That's no pun intended to the show that i was just on catch you on showtime for sure you can catch me on showtime you know obviously you can go to my instagram is uh at marcel wilkes Uh, i'm with this group soul spectacular you can find me on their website i'm with a group preach we do improv i mean man i mean i'm not hard to find you know i hate to sound like this google me you know i don't have my own (laughs) website i mean i used to and i just like canceled it but like you know, I'm I'm out there and I'm active, and you know, if people want to find music, you go to Spotify, and I'm easy to find. You can find Fam Tree on there. You find myself. Uh, you you know, iTunes. Like if you want to still buy stuff, I don't see any of it, but you can buy it, and like <laughs> it'll contribute to someone's pocket. Right. And um, yeah, man, I, I got a show coming up at, at City Winery. I don't know when you're gonna air this, but I got a show coming up at City Winery the 29th with soul spectacular and then like i say man this this, this pilot it comes out in may and june just stay tuned for that and I'll, I'll you know maybe we can have another conversation before i drop no doubt now this will be up uh, i hope to have it saturday afternoon this is thursday night for people listening so i hope to have this up by saturday put a couple songs in there you're going to hear driven from my man green weeds we're going to hear some love a couple of his songs that uh, he's done in the past so those are not familiar They'll definitely hear your music and know what Greenwich is all about and definitely catch them on Showtime. Work in progress. Yeah, man. Yeah, and I appreciate you every time, bro, for just like really holding me down and holding down whatever I was a part of throughout the years. And uh, Oh, no doubt, man. Yeah, just for real. That means like a ton to me, for real. Yeah, and I got to give you props because I got to meet Cool Giraffe because of you. So big up to Mr. Greenweeds right here. That's so crazy, man. I'll leave you with this. 
next time you talk to me, ask me how, like, I had a chance to ask every member that was on the symphony, except Craig G, the symphony story. Oh, wow. I'm sure Master Ace has got to be the craziest because he wasn't supposed to be on there, right? You know what's crazy? Like, I guess we'll go into another time. Yeah, sure. save that. See that people listening, keep tease, listening to that show. <laughs> there it is, Mr. Greenweed. I even got Marley Mall's account too. Oh man, <laughs> the f- yeah. The only person I never talked to was Craig G. I got Kane, I got Mastays, I got Cool G, and Marley Mall's account. Man, and they're right all there. different, and they're all different. One of the great posse cuts <laughs> of all time, and Greenweed has My the favorite. inside scoop on it. Mm-hmm. No yeah, man. doubt. Man, big up for coming on the Infinite Banter Podcast, Green Weeds. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you, bro, and uh, much blessings and up, up, up. No doubt. All right, bro. Many thanks to Green Weeds for joining me, man. So much we talked about here. Let's play another one of his songs. This is one of his early ones. Going back a bit, this is Some Love on the Infinite Banter Podcast, Mr. Green Weeds. a big kiss and a hug but what about them without a hug what about them without some love i rocked the clubs i drank some bud i lust for the ladies with the big old buds but what about them without a hug what about them without some love we play in mud we bathe in tubs with troubles that produce bubbles from the suds but what about them without a hug what about them without some love we might just thug we bust slugs we like to tote guns like we Elma Fudd But what about them without a HUD? What about them without some love? We fight and fuss, we like to cuss We stretch to see a pennant won by the Cubs But what about them without a HUD? What about them without some love? We like to snub, we hold a grudge A caramel Sunday ain't got no fudge But what about them without a HUD? What about them without some love? We like to bug, so here's a plug The architect and I just made a cut But what about them without a HUD? What about them without some love? We stay in love just because Sex is another way that we make love But what about them without a HUD? What about the cop who shot him in his gut? How about the way he lost all that blood? What about the kid who can't catch the bus? What about the nickels that she can't rub? And there's another busy man in a rush These ducks spill like a platypus But what about them without a HUD? What about them without some love? What about them without some love?
Yo, what up, y'all? This is your friendly neighborhood fly guy, Cool Kim, aka NY All the Ideal. And I'm chilling with Vanilla Ice's number one fan, DJ Soundwave, on the Infinite Banner Radio Show. Yeah. <laughs> time for you to leave assholes all right that's it for the show i appreciate everybody for listening once again big up to mr green weeds make sure you follow him check out that show on showtime work in progress he is just so so talented and just really cool to talk to him about this club scene and all kinds of stuff we talked about in that interview really cool going down memory lane with mr green weeds about sports and music and the club scene and seeing live events here in the chicago area so definitely check him out on showtime work in progress and follow him and see what he's up to and check out his music for sure. And you know what? I'm going to play one more song because it's Valentine's Day. You know, feel like I'm in a giving mood. So here's a third song. And this one really fits the holiday. So to end the show here, I'll play You Make Me by Mr. Greenweeds. Because it has a Valentine's Day vibe to it. So we're going to go ahead and play that. So remember, follow me on Twitter at Infinite Banter or at DJ Soundwave 75. Instagram at DJ Soundwave 75. Facebook at Infinite Banter. And the show always can be found in digital platforms all over the place. You know where to find them, the usual spots. Just keep checking me out. And I really appreciate everybody for listening and reposting and all that. So I'm out of here till the next episode. Here is Mr. Greenweeds. It's with You Make Me on the Infinite Banter Podcast. I'll see you in the next one. I'm out.
Get on down, get on. grab that round. 